Deborah, it has been a long time since I've seen you. So how are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well, Joanna. It's um, it's it's going to be, and it already is, an active uh, year. Um, since I last spoke with you, uh, we have sold our, we have bought a house and we're downsizing after 35 years. So I have started the process of sorting and recycling tons of file folders that I've got here in my home office just to start to purge them and go through things that I really don't need to take with me. I don't want to see anymore. So that's been a really uh, nostalgic exercise um, in, in many, many ways. Um, so there's that. And then I have um, a second brand new grandchild. So she's just about six months old. She was born in August. So I have two little granddaughters now. And of course, uh, since I last spoke with you, I published a goal satin murder. So um, it's been an eventful, what, 18 months since you and I <laughs> last spoke. So, yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank congratulations you. Thank you. On the yeah. All of that. Right? All of that. And the reason, uh, well, you know, my husband and I had talked about downsizing for years. And the question was, well, where would we go? And we didn't have an answer for that. We looked at different places in um, the lower mainland. And then a while back, my daughter and son-in-law said, why don't you move out here and be close to us? You know, we'd love to have you out with us. And of course, they could use some extra help. They both have uh, busy, demanding careers. And, uh, and we thought, you know what? Why not? So we bought a house two blocks away from my daughter and son-in-law and granddaughters. So we will be there to help out, but still maintaining our own busy lives and adjusting to a different life. Because after this is all settled and the move takes place later this spring and we put our current home on the market, then my husband plans to retire. Okay. So if, you know, I, I read a lot of blogs and, um, and from bloggers and there's a theme at the beginning of every year about the word of the year and i've never had one before but i always love to read what people think is going to be their key word that they're honing in on and for me it's transition okay yeah so um not only um you know the physical move but also the type of writing that i'm focusing on is undergoing a major change which started a while ago but it's going to also ramp up in 2023 so yeah so transition there there you go that's so. a great word because i'm thinking about some of the things that are happening in our lives too right? mm -hmm. um, yeah some i can't really speak about at the moment because they're happening right? yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. and, and so our listeners know welcome you know that you know this podcast JC mm -hmm. Yard Studio. My name's Joanna, the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child. And I have Deborah Purdy Conk, multi-published author, back with me. And she is so easy to talk to. <laughs> so, Thank you. <laughs> so first time listeners, Deborah was a criminology student. And she spent many hours writing about criminal behavior for term papers. And when she received her diploma from Douglas College, she realized that she'd rather write crime fiction than work for the criminal justice system. And I hear you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> and while learning the craft of writing through courses, conferences, workshops, books, and critique groups, she worked also as a secretary for accountants, academics, lawyers, and other professionals. And when she left full-time employment to raise her children, she used pockets, which is a great description from your, your bio, Deborah. Pockets are free time to develop short fiction while she kept working on mystery novels. Her children grew. She ventured into security work, which I don't want to mention too much about because that's part of her novel. And today we're going to talk about her novella, A Gold Satin Murder. So, Deborah, it's good to have you back. 
It's a pleasure to be back and talk with you again. So, Well, if I could share a story briefly about moving, because we have done it. Please uh, do. Yeah. Far many times. Actually, I, I received this first advice from a fellow author. You may have heard of her name, CJ Papoutsis. Mm-hmm. And she had said to me when we did our first move, to Bear Mountain in Victoria from Brentwood Bay. She had said, Joanna, just remember to breathe and you're not losing your mind. It's okay to be stressed. You are moving. Okay. Yeah. And I thought, okay, yeah, I kind of, I've got this, I've got this all under, under, under belt. I'm good. Right. And then there was one day Ed and I went to Costco in Langford. And we arrived and there was hardly anyone there. And we actually had our dog with us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just, we have two dogs now too. So we yes. had one, <laughs> we had Ozzy with us. And I remember we locked all the doors and we went into Costco and he, we bought something large, which is kind of stupid when you think we're moving. But anyways, we bought something large and Ed said to me, bring the car to the to the front of Costco. I went, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I walked out, and by then the place was full of vehicles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we had parked somewhere we don't usually park. And I remember thinking, oh my God, where's our car? Right. So mm-hmm. I go where I think it is and I'm looking for it. And I can't find it. And I go down another road and I can't find it. Now I'm starting to panic. Okay. <laughs> and it wasn't the car. It was the fact that Ozzy was in the car. Yeah. So my my whole imagination started to go. I thought, oh, my God, someone took our car. I don't care about the car. They've kidnapped Ozzy. Oh, my God, where's the car? You know, and I'm going up and down the rows. And then I finally spined our car. I unlocked the driver's seat. I get in and I look and Ozzy's just looking at me like, what's up? You know, like, what's up? You know, <laughs> and I remember I just went, Pew! and I started to cry and I'm petting the dog. Like, okay, okay, you were okay, right? And so then they drove the car to the front and Ed's looking at me because now I've got like these tear stains. Yeah, yeah. Everything okay? And I said, I thought someone kidnapped the dog. I'm okay. Yeah. The car. I'm okay. Yeah. And it's just, it was. It's those moments, right? You think you've got it all together and then something happens and it's usually something not, not a big thing. It's a little thing that sets you, that sets you off and you go, okay. Yeah. All right. Need to regroup here and think things through. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I kind of expect that to be happening. I mean, right now, uh, it's the easy part because uh, we don't actually have a moving date set yet. And because we haven't sold our house, I'm not under pressure to get out. So I'm hanging on to that. But that will come. Um, And yeah, and then things are going to have to be um, lined up and get ready to go. And we'll deal. Yeah. But like you you said... It's just breathe, right? Wow. And knowing you'll get through it. So, mm-hmm. and eventually it may be story material. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The last we talked, I was still in Crofton. And, uh, folks, if you haven't heard our first discussion, it was published on September 4th, 2021. And, Deborah, it sounds like you've been very busy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just let, let's get into it. Let's get into this sure. Casey Holland mystery novella. So yes. now most of the Casey Holland mysteries are, are uh, I'll say full length mm-hmm. novels, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, why did you want to make this one a novella or how did it become a novella? Um, it was a, it was a mindful Thing to write something shorter okay I I just wanted a break from the full-length novels and you know I had started my my writing career the first decade was pretty well all short fiction everything from flash fiction of a hundred words up to the 5,000 word stories and then I also um, 
uh, was working on novellas and published a couple of, of novellas with a small press uh, publisher. And then that kind of faded away. And I really missed it. I missed that, that novel length. Um, and I, I thought, I need to go back and go back to shorter works. Yeah. And the other thing that I, with um, Casey Hall and Mystery Number 5, Knock Knock, and Number 6, The Blade Man, those are pretty dark stories. And dealing with um, home invasions, targeting seniors, and The Blade Man was about assaults on bus drivers in fact the whole company a fictional bus company I created was under siege and it was getting really dark and it was dark for Casey and she was going through a lot of stuff and I felt sort of becoming mired in the darkness and as a a response to that I wanted to write something light something humorous and so I had no intention of doing um, a multi-layered story with lots of subplots and, and and nuances I wanted a light simple fun story so I wrote the first couple of chapters and brought them to the writing group I was with at that time and they loved it they just thought Eduardo was hysterical and um, even the guys in the group thought yeah this was fun this was great so um I continued on with it and I thought, yeah, I'm going to, to, you know, finish this book at some point. Um, I got sidetracked with the, uh, with the urban fantasy I've been working on, but, uh, and, and other writing projects, but I went back to it and took a look at it and going, yeah, there's, there's something here. And then I got to work and I focused on finishing it. Um, and I'm, quite happy with the results and it was really fun to write and it's getting great feedback and it just it made me feel good writing it I mean it's not the kind of story that you're going to um, have nightmares over and you're going to brood about you know you're going to go okay that was a good fun read I have a breather and and then you go back to your your real life you know kind of thing so the work came to me were um, a feel-good a feel-good novel. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a murder mystery, but it's still, you come away, like you said. Yes, right? yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, and that's what I wanted people to to experience, especially in these times when a lot of people are going through stuff. And uh, I find myself a little bit pickier with my reading choices, you yeah. know, over the last two or three years that I don't necessarily want uh, something incredibly dark and uh, depressing and grim to read i'm focusing a little bit more on fun stuff or at least trying to balance it out with different types of books and uh um so i you know it's it's just the time that we're in and so it seems like a good response a good answer to producing something different yeah Yeah. good good so can you give the listeners just a little hint of what a gold satin murder is about Okay. Um, well, let's go with the theme first. And the theme is that um, we often judge people by our initial responses to them, how they look, how they act, yeah. how they sound. And what this book explores is that that's not always right. You know, first impressions might work a lot of the time, but not always. There are certain times when your first impression is completely off base. And um, that's what this book is about. And it's not only in the case of meeting Eduardo. It's also with the bus driver, Lily, who seems to be a really cool married mom, got her stuff together. And as you read the book, you realize there's a lot going on with her that she's kept hidden. Yeah. And and so it's about, yeah, the things we think we know about people, that the way that we look and judge people isn't necessarily how it is. And if you dig a little deeper and take a little bit more time, you find you learn a lot. And that can change your not only your opinion of them, but maybe help you learn a little bit about yourself yeah. and the way that you perceive people in the world. So the story opens with Casey on the bus one night in the West End. 
and she's been asked to uh, to ride the bus that night by her supervisor because there's been three complaints from female riders about a man who's been harassing them and mm-hmm. asking to uh, paint their portraits. He's an artist. Yes. And so she's there to meet this guy who's on the same bus at the same time, most nights of the week. And so she has a little chat with him. And he is um, shocked that people find him offensive. He doesn't mean to hurt anybody. He doesn't mean to. She's not sure, you know, that this is the truth. But um, things progress. And she follows up a week later with him. And he's still riding the buses. But it's it's tapered off a little bit. Uh, And then she discovers that he's been accused of murder. and murdering um, a woman that he's been dating. And it turns out that Eduardo is also a male escort and a male stripper. And this is how he supplements his income as an artist. Yes, And he quite enjoys his work and he doesn't mean any harm to anybody, but things go, you know, south for him. And the question is how much of him is genuine and how much of him is put on and how truthful is he about his situation? So, and she's getting pulled into it, not because of Eduardo. He's just a passenger. She doesn't know the guy, but Lily, the bus driver has befriended him and she's getting caught in the middle of Eduardo's legal troubles. And she's the one who asks Casey for help because there's some issues going on in her marriage that could have a huge impact if she gets pulled in as a witness to uh, certain events. So, and it takes off from there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, your novella reminded me of the rapid reads that Orca book publishers publish. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I can think of, in particular, um, the novellas from the late Lou Allen. Mm-hmm. I loved Lou. I knew her. And, yeah, uh, yeah she, uh, at the time, she and uh, the Crime Writers of Canada um, regional rep was Kay Stewart. And Kay and Lou and I all knew one another. And those two were the ones that urged me to get on the board to replace Kay. So I ended up serving on the board because Lou asked me to. <laughs> Lou and Kay down. And anyways, it was a good experience. I ended up serving, but yeah, she was a terrific person. And uh, I met her several times at events and I loved her books. I yeah. loved her books, but anyway, we're, we're digressing, but yeah, she's wonderful. She was wonderful. So, yeah. Yeah. And what I like about these uh, I say these, and I'm like yours and hers, is I remember, now I'm not one to read a lot on my Kindle, because I'm just old school, I like the pages, you know, I, I like the pages, I like the dark print on white background, mm-hmm. and I found when we, a few times, when we would go on vacation, I would put two or three of these in my luggage, right? On that plane, it was just like, I don't want to say burn through them, but it was great because yeah. you're on a, what, six to 10 hour flight? Yes. And just totally focused. On, yeah. On yeah. Reading. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. So I started reading this. Oh, it was a few months back. I was returning from Vancouver, wedding dress shopping with my daughter, and I was on the ferry. And what hit me with this book is the realism in it, okay? (laughs) So it's just when Eduardo steps onto the bus, and it's it's so true. Mm -hmm. Because I remember I used to take the bus to and from work, I don't know, for about 10 years, okay? Mm -hmm. And if someone attractive stepped on the bus and was looking for a seat, yeah, male or female, Mm -hmm. People would remove their bags from the seat beside them. Okay. I'm just, I, I'm not being sexist. I'm just stating a fact. Right? Yep. Yeah. And then I think there's also unspoken rules. And I remember this also if the bus is full, okay, mm-hmm. it is a no no for a passenger to be sitting in one seat 
and have her bag of knitting yarn on the neck seat <laughs> yeah. while she's knitting. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Right. Yes, there are unspoken rules of etiquette yeah. that go beyond the rules and restrictions that you see posted on the uh, on the bus. But um, yes, that that is a, a behavioral thing that people do. And, and and the reverse order, I have seen when I was riding the bus recently, um, going down to visit my sister who who lives in the West End of Vancouver. And um, sometimes if someone gets on the bus and they strike someone as a little bit sketchy, they're a little bit too loud, they're a little bit too, um, their behavior is such that it's making people nervous. And I've seen people put items on the on the seat beside them to to keep this individual from taking their seat, uh, especially if they're younger women. Yeah. You know, yeah. So and, totally get it. Yeah. And then I remember one day, okay, I, I got it. You're just, it, all these memories are coming up. My <laughs> youngest daughter, who also lives in Vancouver, mm -hmm. she was saying to me that one day she was sitting on the bus and she was beside a young lady who was younger than her. And the man across from them was staring at our girl. Okay. Our mm. daughter. And our daughter then kind of, glared back at this guy right mm -hmm. so he stopped staring at her and he's staring at the young girl beside Kara and Kara's just like no stop right? just stop <laughs> she's thinking yeah. this right yeah yeah anyways with your book Eduardo how did you come up with him <laughs> thinking of your your bus experiences um you know any particular individual that came across or? No, I mean, I can honestly say I have never met anyone like Eduardo. And if I had, I would certainly remember him. Um, he's really a composite of, of, of people um, I've seen, um, you know, when I was working in security and I was doing campus security, I worked with a lot of younger guys yeah. and they were all types of personalities right across the board, but there were a handful who handful who had definite swagger about them and thought they knew everything. And um, you know, it was it, and and they, you know, quite good looking fellows too, and they knew it. And so, you know, they walk with that swagger. And so I kind of took that and I'm going, yeah, okay. <laughs> And um, yeah, so that was kind of the beginning of it. And a lot of it came from imagination. And, uh, great, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've got this great line from Eduardo, or I say classic line, where he says, there is always time for the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that made me chuckle. I thought, yeah, this fits this guy, right? Yeah, oh. yeah. And, you know, and he is, and Casey addresses that, he is kind of a walking stereotype. Yeah. Um, but there's a reason for that as you learn later in the book. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Good. So Good. Now, can you tell us about your security experience and how it ties into your Casey Holland series? Uh, the, as I mentioned, I was, I was working in campus security and Casey does transit security. So all security personnel who, um, you know, have a, license to 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 do this kind of work need to be trained through the justice institute of bc so the basic training we would have uh we would share and once you were placed into a specific area my employer put me on campuses but i could have been in malls i could have been in hospitals i could have done all uh, a variety of different situations but um, they wanted me to work on a specific campus so then i had special training for campus protocol yeah. And so she would have probably special training working in um, um, in transit that would require a whole a whole different level of of training. So, it's, you know, you, you specialize in your areas and then you branch out and get specific training for that. Um, the kinds of people um, there would be an overlap to the kinds of people that I experience working on campus I'm working with a lot of young people she will be working with a lot of young people who would take the bus to get to work and school and back so we would encounter um, you know similar similar types of people young people who aren't particularly confident young people who are glued to their phones young people who have um, find themselves in stressful situations 
Um, I was riding the bus actually up to SFU not that long ago. I'm with a lot of students and one of them suddenly just burst into tears. Um, having a really rough time. And, um, you know, so I'm watching um, this person make sure that they're okay. And uh, she she got herself under control. But, you know, those kinds of situations, if I was, I'm riding there as to meet some people, not as a security person. So if I was working the buses, I would just go up and make sure she was okay. Uh, Same thing on campuses. There'd be kids who are going through stressful situations, having a really tough time. Sometimes they would communications office, um, lost something. Sometimes they're having, they are being harassed by a fellow student and they're, you know, pretty upset. those kinds of situations would come up. So we do uh, my work, um, although it didn't happen often, but yes, you are people, you do come across people who are in stressful situations and you're dealing with an emotional situation. Casey on the bus, again, a lot of her work is about emotional and stressful situations, particularly since she doesn't, doesn't just ride around for the sake of it. She usually rides because she's been called there to deal with a situation because there's been an incident that either the driver reports or a rider has reported that's concerning them so she's dealing with people who are in various levels of stress for a variety of different reasons yeah so there would be similars yeah so the the thing that i did um and that casey does is to stay calm stay cool listen and of course, make detailed notes about what's going on because you never know if that's going to come back to to bite you in a courtroom situation or whatever if things escalate into uh, that scenario. I was yeah. just thinking that if, mm-hmm. if, it, if charges are laid, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, statements. We yeah. we always had to 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 keep detailed notes in our notebooks using a blue pen. Yeah. Uh, the time that we patrolled an area, if we had an incident. What was the incident about? The time of the incident, how it was resolved, and um, you know, so we kept detailed notes yeah. all the time because you never knew. No, if one of those days, you know, something would happen where you would need to resort to those notes in a courtroom situation. So, yeah, and Casey would also be keeping notes diligently on on uh, what she was doing. That's neat. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I find there is a balance with with the humor and like you said, Lily's domestic situation mm-hmm. and the murder. And I think I mentioned it before, you know, the reader walks away with this uh, feel good feeling. And uh, the, the, the scene that really popped for me, it was more it was Casey's reaction. OK, and uh, just. You know, she's gone with some friends to the man cave. Okay. Yes. Yes. And Randy, the handyman, yes, his tool belt. Yes. Belt on the dance floor. Yes. So I'm <laughs> guessing that this story was fun to write, as you had mentioned. And yes, I'm. I'm I have to ask, what was your research like? <laughs> Um, So I actually haven't seen a male strip show in person. However, I will say that uh, when I read those first couple of chapters to my writers group, there were uh, a woman or two who had been. And they were the ones who told me what was really interesting to me uh, was the women's, the audience's reaction to the dancers. They said, oh. MG. They were screaming. They were shouting. They were using all kinds of four-letter words. They were just completely out of control. They were wild yeah. and noisy. And and that was a bit of a surprise to me. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I have been to actually uh, with an old boyfriend many, many years ago in my early 20s, went to a, a, a strip club with him. And with female strippers and i'd have to say that the men were much better behaved there than <laughs> mind you they have to be uh but um then uh, they were in what my friends described in the show that she had seen i mean it was just yeah it was 
it was wild. Yeah, right. So, so I haven't done a lot of research in in terms of being in the clubs. Most of my research comes from the buses, you know, riding on the buses and how people respond to him, yeah. and uh, you know, and how Casey responds to him. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I do have to back you up. Um, I have never been to a strip club. My husband, when he was a young man, he had a job being a waiter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he said he didn't last. Okay. <laughs> and he he basically would echo what you're saying. He mm-hmm. said he there was this club called Tivoli's in Nanaimo. And usually on Saturdays, I'd been to it. It's a, an actual dance club, but I think it was on Wednesday nights was ladies night and he said he hated being a, a server yeah and he goes because he goes like you said he goes the in a a strip club where women are dancing men cannot you do not touch that's right that's right dancer, right yeah and he goes the women he goes it's a whole other thing right yeah. and he goes, it, it doesn't even matter if you're a dancer he goes, if you're a server, even right, you're just it's 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 crazy, right? I believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting with buses. It's almost like there you have your own little community. Mm-hmm. And uh I remember catching that bus to Brentwood Bay, and you know, sometimes people would nudge me because I'd fallen asleep and they didn't want me to miss my stop. Mm-hmm. Or else, you know, you'd get on the bus and you'd be thinking, okay, where's the guy with the, who always wears the brown mm-hmm. coat and the, the, you know, the blue boots, right? Like, mm-hmm. cause he's, he's mm-hmm. going to, the bus is coming, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, on buses, there are certain behaviors that are expected of you and certain behaviors that people get away with. Okay. And then, then certain behaviors that cross the line. Yeah. And I think it's true, it's true for the, for the, the strip club that that the behaviors there uh the dancers would anticipate uh they welcome because they like the tips you know and um and and they and they can get away with things that they could never get away with in another environment right yeah yeah Yeah. so how has just i'm going through rewrites i'm going through rewrites <laughs> so i feel for you yeah, yeah i'm in that myself with with the this other this urban fantasy i'm working on so yes i feel for you so how's that going for you <laughs> i'm just gonna say pip i'm sorry i have added three chapters in the middle and i have taken three chapters ah. in the middle right yeah you know, just yeah it, it's making a better book it's making a better yeah. book and i i i can't think of this book now without this change just because it's yeah. so it has the changes yeah. are that and that impactful so yeah I'm, I'm just wondering with uh gold satin murder how were the rewrites how has this book morphed from that first draft so when I first began writing it, it was, like I said, for fun. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to write a fun, silly novel. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, I don't want it to be completely silly. I want it to be a fun story, but to have some poignant moments in it. And so the whole Lily story, that background with her husband and her her son, that came in much later. Okay. That's what I added to it uh because i i you know the story needed more depth and it needed more poignancy and it kind of balanced off the silliness of eduardo and his troop of 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 dancers um was fun but it was almost too much you can't have a whole book of just that yeah for me to to as a reader and a writer i needed to balance it out with something more poignant and I wanted to, and, and Lily was the obvious choice because she, you know, um, um, had this perfect opportunity to befriend Eduardo. And also we learned more about her. And and the more I learned, the, the deeper the story got. And I thought, yeah, it does belong here. This adds this balance that I needed in the work. And which, you know, I didn't even incorporate in an outline. And I 
most of my books, I do outline the first third quite heavily as I'm setting up subplots and secondary characters and nuances. And the second part, a little bit less um, outlining. And then the third part, the last third of the book, I kind of just let it go because I've set things up that they'll have their natural course. But I'm never married to an outline. I always feel this is part of the creative process. And yes, you've got your outline for each chapter down, but there's things that come out as you start writing. And as you get to know your story better, and I feel for me anyways, it takes time to really understand the themes and what I really want, what the message is. I don't have that nailed down all the time. First draft, first go around, first think through. It comes out. And sometimes what I think I'm writing about actually isn't what I really want to say. And so then you start adding the characters or a subplot or something else. And it's, it's interesting. Um, So I'm really, as I said, the, the, the whole aspect of Lily's story came in later into the book and I could have gone deeper with it. I could have gone deeper with uh, Marie, who is Casey's coworker and always been somewhat of an antagonist in the workplace situation to her could have gone deeper, but I really thought, no, stick to your guns, keep it a novella. What you're, what you want to convey is all said here, but I have had people say to me, Oh, I really like the story. I wish it had been longer. And I'm thinking, I really appreciate that, but now I could only take so much of Eduardo and, and, what he was about and who he is. And uh, to me, the length was just right. Yeah. 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 Do you find sometimes, you know, you'll write something and I know actually my, my ending, uh, there's a change, right? There's a change. But through the rewriting process for me, what happens at the end with Jade is so much validated. And it's all because of what I have discovered and have written through the rewrites. And that's a good feeling, right? Yes, absolutely. And you end up with a better book at the end, something you're quite satisfied with. Yeah. Because now I look at it as, you know, she, she has a choice to do something. And now after through the rewrites, I'm thinking, well, this is a no brainer. She, she, of course she's going to do this, you know? So, okay. Anyways, anyways. Yeah. And I, for me, it's not uncommon to learn things about Casey that I didn't set out expecting to learn when I started the story. And I think one of the things that keeps the series interesting for the writer, as well as the reader is what you discover about your character along the way, what they learn about themselves and how they grow or change or adapt to whatever new situation has presented itself. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's it's an an intriguing part of the creative process. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So you may have already answered this. I'm just thinking, I know with my rewrites, I've scaled back. Um, oh, I had, I had complicated, I had complicated, I had complicated. That's all I'm going to say. And I found, okay, let's scale back this subplot. You don't really need it. So Mm -hmm. have you found that you scaled back on, on, it sounds like more you you added a little bit more. Yes. With yeah. this particular book, I didn't feel that I had to cut stuff out. It was more a matter of adding things in. Yeah. Um, I guess in the back of my mind as I'm writing is keep it short, keep it yeah. simple, girl. This is, yeah. you know, this is what, what you want to want to do. Um <clears throat> I've been dabbling on the next Casey novel. Dabbling, I say because <laughs> it's it's not going quickly um (laughs) but i am um merging a a storyline about casey with another character i created i mentioned a a little bit back there that i had written two novellas and that featured a different uh he was also he was a campus security officer and he's a a 22 year old guy and uh 
So I wrote a couple of novellas about his exploits with some humor in it, um, doing campus security. So now with this Casey novel, she's going to meet him and they're going to work together. But I had already written three drafts of this, uh, of his name is Evan, of Evan's story and what would have been the third novella. And, but I've created a situation now for Casey. Those two are going to meet. So I'm taking that third draft and merging it with new thoughts and ideas. And here's the thing of what you said about getting rid of extra characters and extra subplots and trying to merge these two together to create um, a good story. And honestly, Joanna, I have no idea what the length is going to be. This is one of those situations where I'm going to write it and say, let the story unfold. Yeah. Get the first draft out and then decide where you go from there. Is there too many subplots? Is there Are there too many characters? Does the uh, plot really, you know, fit a full-length novel? Some plots are very, like Eduardo's, are a little bit more simplistic. They don't need to be a full-length novel. Yeah. And so it's really an interesting exercise as I'm kind of writing and at the same time, cutting and pasting and eliminating. And this might be why why it's going slowly. So. <laughs> I, feel, yeah, I feel what you're going through. Um, yeah, but it's fun. Um, yeah. it, again, it's fun because um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting situation. And also because it takes place on a, a fictional post-secondary campus it's also bringing back a lot of memories of my campus experiences so yeah pulling out the old journal again and remembering what I wrote about those times so yeah (laughs) that's awesome yeah so just switching it up a bit Deborah what are you reading now and are there novels you'd recommend oh uh yeah lots of lots of uh great novels I would recommend I read I'm a eclectic reader, so I read science fiction and I read um, uh, fant- uh, lots of fantasy and I read mainstream. And what I'm reading right now is a prehistoric fictional novel called Born in a Treacherous Time by a blogging friend named Jackie Murray who I'm going to be featuring on my blog next week because she's just released a new novel. Jackie is writing a series of trilogies set. Well, this one features Lucy. Are you familiar with Lucy, the prehistoric uh, woman that was uh, discovered several years back? But she has taken that premise and she is writing a story that is set 1.8 million years ago in the time of Lucy, set in East Africa. And holy cow, it's really, really good. And the amount of research Jackie has gone into, and you can only research so far because there are no written records, but there are lots of experts who, um, based on evidence that they have found and researched themselves, have a pretty good idea of about you know, the way they lived. and. Um, what they ate and how they survived. And in those days, it was really a man versus nature situation. Um, anyway, it's a fascinating book. And uh, so I'm reading the first one in the trilogy about Lucy, and it's called Born in a Treacherous Time. So I do recommend that. Okay. Yeah. And I, I get your blog. So you'll you'll be writing about that. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to feature her uh, next week. So uh yeah, but um, and as I said, this is just one trilogy. So she she's really um, focused on on prehistoric fiction, and it's just it's really superb. So huh. that's fascinating. Just isn't what, that what yeah. interest, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then, what are you doing? You mentioned like twenty twenty three being a year of transition. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing for relaxation? Well, aside from reading, you know, the most relaxing thing I do is I go and I visit my granddaughters and I sit on the floor and I play 
with my two and a half year old who is into all kinds of wonderful things. She builds Lego and she oh. is drawing and she is using her sticker books and I read to her. And of course, my six month old, I just hold her and oh. she's smiling and you know, burbling. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's so fun and so relaxing. And it's, and I don't think about anything else when I'm with them. I'm just in the moment. Yeah. And that is awesome. It's like, ah, yeah, I don't have to do anything. I just go out and I spend a few hours with these two. So that's my relaxation time. So that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I don't have grandchildren yet. Oh, you might. You I might. might. Yeah. But I've been doing baking. I've been baking. Ooh. When I bake, I don't like I don't think of anything because I'm so yeah. focused on baking, you know? Yeah. And, and I get so happy. I've been making I made nan bread the other day. So did my son. Yeah. yeah. My son is a wonderful baker. He's a tech guy, but he also cooks for relaxation. Okay. And he made none the other day, along with the most incredible butter chicken I've ever had in my life. But anyway, <laughs> but, but a lot of people do that. Yeah. Uh, baking is, is a great way to relax. Like I, I don't like cooking. I won't, I joke that I won't cook you a meal, but I'll bake you a cake. You know? <laughs> and uh, I get so proud when I see that the yeast is doing what it's supposed to be doing. There you go. <laughs> so. There you go. So you've given us hints about what you've been working on. So mm-hmm. what's next? And I want to make sure I get your social media. Yeah, sure. Uh, what's next for me? Um, well, I've mentioned this urban fantasy I've been working on, and um, I'm finally at a place with the book. It, it was 122,000 words. And so with this latest draft, I've been paring it down. And I'm down to about 104,000 words, and I want to get it down another uh, 4,000. So it's, uh, but I found uh, five beta readers for it. So we're at the beta reading um, process. Um, So that's going to happen this spring. While I'm moving, I'm going to hand the book to the beta readers. Um, I've prepared a query letter and a one-page synopsis. And when I get that back, their feedback, and make what I know will be necessary changes, then I'm going to start the submission process and submit it and go back into um, an attempt at uh, traditional publishing. So I like to do both, you know. Um, So uh, we'll see how that pans out. But that's kind of exciting to finally be at a point with this book that it's it's going to be ready to submit and that's that's the big thing for this year so mm-hmm. what is it with because we are doing similar things okay yeah because through the writer studio which I've been going to and it has been really good I have been submitting for critique it's a time travel that I have the first draft of. Excellent. And what I want to do the same thing too. I, I'm nowhere near where you're at in, in your, in your, you know, fantasy, but that's the thing I was thinking. I thought, okay, this time travel, I, I will start doing that again. I will start that process of mm-hmm. submitting, like you said, mm-hmm. query, write mm-hmm. that synopsis. Mm-hmm. I'm nowhere near that yet. But mm-hmm. uh, why I wonder, because we both write mystery. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering what is what is that 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 desire to write fantasy or time travel, right? Like I just I, I know I love time travel. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Um because we're not yeah, sticking kind of, straightly into that yeah. mystery lane, you know. No, we're not. And for me, um, it's a part of a need to explore another aspect of the creative process to see where I can take this now. And I I love fantasy and I have great respect for the genre. Yeah. And um um I, I was just drawn to it. I've, I've just been drawn to it. But only in the last, you know, 10 years as a writer um, have I considered actually writing 
in that genre. And I find it an incredible learning process. There are, you know, certain things that I'm not doing complete world building. This is an urban fantasy. So this this particular group of uh, people live within the real world, but they have other abilities. And um, I, I, I just I just wanted to see where I could take take this this um, avenue of writing and just explore it and go with it and the more I did it the more I liked it and it's hard for me to say whether it's going to take over my life and will be all the type of writing I do Uh, I'm not going to say one way or the other because I have no idea yeah all I know is that um, it takes up the bulk of my time right now by choice because I'm getting close to the finishing process yeah and so the Casey and any mystery writing is sort of a little bit on the back burner, but I'm I'm certainly not ready to let it go yet. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm going to come back to that word we started with transition. Yeah. And so transition is also in the creative, creative part of my life as well. Okay. So we'll see where it takes us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I heard, and I've quoted this on a podcast, a uh, uh, great David Bowie. Um, oh, he was being interviewed, and I can't remember the exact words, but he had basically said that not playing safe, doing something that scares you a little bit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and where your feet aren't I'm just trying to remember it now when your feet aren't quite touching the bottom of the pool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he had said that's when the, the something great can, can can happen you know and I'm just yeah yeah I, I think yeah I totally agree with that and it is pretty scary to do something brand new yeah. um I feel part of me feel like feels like a beginning writer again where I'm going back to basics and I'm having I you know my critique group critique every chapter with me which they've been lovely and happy to do and extremely supportive um but there's a part of me that feels like a rookie and I'm going wow you know (laughs) all right okay um you know I know the connect the mechanics of sentence structure and putting a a structure and those basics but there's this there's this whole other element to it is putting me back to square one yeah. And that is, like you said, it's scary, but it's also incredibly exciting. And it keeps me interested yeah. and wanting to move forward and explore it yeah. even more. So, yeah. 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 Well, I wonder, like with this other one, I was, I had been working on this latest Jade and Sage book. Mm-hmm. And uh, this other one, because of the writer's studio, I went back to it and I started submitting. And I remember I was just, I thought, I like these people. I like these characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, it's a total different shift. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it it takes place in the now. And you know how there's a lot of, um, I won't say a lot. I have seen an, an increase in novels where the time travel takes you back to the middle of World War II. Mm-hmm. Great. I've read great novels. Um, Tara Moss's latest, you know, it's during mm-hmm. like all of them yes. during that yeah. period. Yeah. Great novels. Yeah. And for me, I thought I don't want it to go to World War II, but I thought, what if, right? That those yeah. two words. That's right. If it goes back to 1975. And okay, and there were no phones. Okay, there were no cell phones. I remember 1975. (laughs) Yes. So I'm just I'm taking some of stuff that's happened in the past, and my poor heroine, she's going to go to 1975. And do you find sometimes it's just like when I was talking with my mentor about it, and. Like when my heroine arrives in 1975, she's going to be looking around. And then I just want just those words of what has happened, you know, and mm-hmm. do you find that where yeah. you get those words and you're, that is almost like what keeps you going? Yeah. 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 
what's going on here? You know, and what is it that I need to find out? You know, and what am I going to learn from this situation? You know, uh, through your characters. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. (laughs) I I don't remember. uh, uh, I don't know of too many people who write about that time period, actually. So that's a really interesting, uh, interesting time to write about. Well, I think I was in grade seven. And uh, yesterday or last night, we saw a documentary about the Bee Gees. And it was just, it was going through the time. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I remember this song. Mm-hmm. This song, right? So, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So, but back to a gold satin murder, taking a final line, I thought, in this novella, which was so sweet. Um, Eduardo, mm-hmm. he gives Casey a painting. And, uh, you know, this quote like when Casey receives the painting from Eduardo, you know, the quote of light from darkness and the hope of great possibilities from a true artiste and freer of truth. Can you just on that lovely, lovely sentence, can you give an example from your own life that reflects that sentence? The hope of great possibilities and fear of truth. When I think about that, I think of my granddaughters. Oh, yeah. Because they are the future. Yeah. And every time you see a young child, you go, there's the future. There's our hope for the future. And what can be more truthful and freer of spirit than a young child? Yeah. You know? And um, that that line, I think, also, you know, resonates with Casey. It says everything about who Eduardo really is and what she's learned about him and about herself and about judging people, which is what we started talking about at the beginning. And it kind of comes full circle and she gets it. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's. It was one word, my granddaughters are two words. <laughs> that, that that's what resonates with me. And that's what they represent that's in my beautiful. life. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Deborah, we always have a good conversation and I always feeling so good. <laughs> yeah. And you asked me about social media. And yeah. I'm just trying to think. Okay, so my website, and then they can connect on social media through the icons there too. It's DebraPurdyKong.com. And I'm on Twitter at uh, DebraPurdyKong. That's one word. And Facebook. Uh, those are the two that I use most often. It's Deborah Purdy Kong author, which is my author page. And it also links to the blogs. But if you're interested in following the blogs, it's at uh, Deborah Purdy Kong. That's one word dot wordpress dot com. And if people want to sign up to my newsletter, um, it's at sendfox, S-E-N-D-F-O-X dot com forward slash Deborah Pretty Kong. And uh yeah, so those are options for people to connect with me and see what I'm doing. The uh the blog is all about my my writing life, business and personal. So there's a little bit about the the family in there and my moving and occasionally I post pictures of my grandbabies. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Deborah. Well, you have a good afternoon. I will. You too. And thank you so much for uh, inviting me back. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and to catch up with you. So, okay, Deborah. Okay, take care. <laughs>